Next on Study the Word, some great news for every Christian. So believers, we are secure in Christ. And we still, however, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this will be a time of viewing, a review of the good that we have done. And Jesus will inspect our good works in order to commend us, in order to reward us. What did we do with the talents and resources God gave us? How faithful were we while we were down here? Were we yielded to the Spirit? Did we seek to honor Christ and accomplish his work in this world? If so, Jesus tells us that we will receive a reward, even for the smallest thing we do. This is Study the Word. We're the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Lebanon in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Today we're starting chapter 19 of the book of Revelation with our Bible teacher, Pastor Tom Keller. Uh, Here we get a peek at a massive celebration. Join the party, won't you? As Pastor Tom takes a closer look. In today's lesson, we get a very clear picture of the incredible, loving, welcome we will receive when God calls us home. So let's dig in. We finished out chapters 17 and 18, which were on the great prostitute, or as the King James says, quote, quote, the great whore that sitteth on many waters, end of quote. And in chapter 17, she, the prostitute, is destroyed by the Antichrist. And then in chapter 18, her city is likewise destroyed by Rome. In Revelation 18, 21, it speaks of this. I'm sorry, 18, yeah. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and never will be found again. And so although God brings many charges against this great prostitute in these chapters and the city, I believe the one charge that brings the most anger to God is found in verse 24 of that chapter. It says, In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. And I believe God confirms this again in chapter 19 in verse 2. Listen to what he says. His judgments are true and just, He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. So as we pick up this morning in chapter 19, for the first half of this chapter, our view changes once again from the earth, what happens in the earth, primarily Rome in chapter 18. And now the view shifts back up to heaven. And as I read this next section, listen for the word hallelujah, which in this translation is translated to praise the Lord. Revelation 19, 1 verse 10. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute, who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. 
And again, their voices rang out, praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God who was sitting on the throne. And they cried out, amen, praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. Listen, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Now, I said, note how many times, praise the Lord, hallelujah is used in some translations, and it's a word we're all familiar with, and yet it's interesting, that word hallelujah is found only four times in the entire New Testament, with all four found right here in chapter 19. This is Greek, of course, and in Hebrew, uh, the language used in the Old Testament, it is the first phrase of 11 Psalms, including Psalms chapters 13 to 18, six Psalms, which are known as a Hallel, where we get the word hallelujah from. So in Hebrew, this same Greek word hallelujah Hallel in Hebrew is translated in the Old Testament in most of our Bibles as praise God. Praise God. Years ago, Sue and I went to see Noah over at Sight and Sound, and they had a big guy with a booming voice play Noah, tall and big. And uh, he would, at times, he would just kind of out of nowhere go, ho, 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 praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And that's what I remember about that show. Ho, 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 praise the Lord. And, you know, I came away from that thinking, I should be more like that. I should praise the Lord. I mean, not like that, maybe. (laughs) That would be a little strange in Walmart, you know. Ho, ho, ho. Although, hey, God can use that. Maybe I'll do that. If you hear that, it might be your pastor (laughs) running another direction. Although that's not my typical MO, but you never know. But what I have started to do is I do say that a lot more than I used to. When I hear some good news, I'll say, praise God, praise God. And it's a good thing to think about. Maybe it's a good thing to try to incorporate in your own life. When something good comes along, send that to where it belongs, right? Send that to the Lord. Give him that recognition right away. Let those words come quickly when you have good news. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This isn't in my notes, but it's worth sharing. My uncle was Victor Ziegler. And Victor Ziegler, some of you know him, some of you don't, but there was no one like Victor Ziegler. 
But the story is told that he was in an airport one time in a snowstorm and there were no flights out. And he went to the counter and the last flight out, he missed the last flight out that night to get back home. And he said to the ticket counter, he said, praise the Lord, God must have something for me to do in this city. Who does that, right? But isn't that the right response? Praise the Lord, right? God, who knows what God has planned? Praise the Lord. And here we see the angels praising the Lord, rejoicing, number one, at the punishment that has come upon the great prostitute. And secondly, for the avenging of the murder of those who have been martyred by the great prostitute. And for those who would dismiss the great whore and the literal burning of the cities in chapter 18 as being uh, an analogy or not literal, you have a little problem here because the vast crowd in heaven clearly has seen this and identify it as such. In Revelation 19:2, it says, the crowd in heaven, they say his judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out, praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Those in heaven observe that setting, that smoke. John Walvoord says, quote, the reference to much people is to the same group found in chapter 7 where a great multitude is a translation of precisely the same Greek words. Though the general reference may be to all people in heaven, the allusion instead seems to be only to the martyred dead of the great tribulation. And so if that's the case, these martyred ones cry out in verse 2, he has avenged the murder of his saints. And this is exactly what the martyred saints in heaven requested to be done way back in chapter 6, because it says this, when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God. God's on the throne, the martyred are under the throne, under the altar, and for being faithful for their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them and they were told to rest a little while longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them, which would take until the end of the seven years for that to take place. And so you see chapter 19 takes place at the end of the seven years because this is when they're avenged, after the full number has come. We see that again in Revelation 6, 11. Then a white robe was given to each of them. They were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were, with, who were to be martyred, had joined them. Revelation 19, 4 echoes that once more. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God, who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen, praise the Lord. It says the 24 elders, we saw these back in chapter 4, verse 3. The one sitting on the throne, God, was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. 
Here we go, 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. We also saw these same four living beings back in chapter four, verse six. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day, night after night, they kept on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And here, all 24 elders and the four living beings all fall down and worship God in verse 4. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God, who was sitting on the throne, and they cried out, Amen, praise the Lord. And then in response to that praise, a voice comes from the throne itself. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. John Wolverd supposes that this is the voice of an angel. The commentator Gill and Poole believe that this is Christ's voice himself. Poole says, quote, declaring that all holy ones should praise God. J. Vernon McGee says, quote, this call to praise comes because the Lord Jesus Christ is preparing to take control of the world at the end of the seven years. This is truly the hallelujah chorus and the most profound song of praise in the entire word of God. It takes us all the way back to that covenant which God made with David in which God promised that he would raise one upon David's throne who would rule the world. In 2 Samuel 7, we read, quote, and thy house, speaking of to David, And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. And David's throne is established forever at the beginning of that thousand-year period. And McGee adds this, but before Christ returns to the earth, there is going to be a wedding, and you and I as believers will be part of it. Let's look at that, verses 6 to 8. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or a roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. Listen, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride, who's his bride? We are. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So what is this marriage of the Lamb? In John chapter 14, Jesus told the the disciples that he would come for them again. He would come for them and us and take us to be with him in heaven. John 14 says, Jesus said, in there is more than enough room in my father's house. Many translations says, in my father's home are many mansions. 
if this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And that promise, folks, that promise is fulfilled at the rapture prior to the seven years of tribulation. And so the rapture is when, listen, the rapture is when the bridegroom comes for his bride. And at that time, Jesus will take his bride to his father's house, which is where? In heaven, that's right. Someone said Newark. That's not right. (laughs) And verse 7 speaks of the marriage ceremony itself. It says, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Now, again, this occurs at the beginning of the rapture, at the rapture. But the wedding feast doesn't take place until the end of the seven years. And because the marriage ceremony occurs at the rapture, that means that we are currently living in our engagement period with Jesus. And the Lord has given us a pledge of his unwavering, never-failing commitment to us in marriage. In Ephesians 1 verse 13, says this, and now you Gentiles have also heard the, good, the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, listen, this is for you. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Listen, listen, this applies to you. The Spirit is God's guarantee, guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And it's a guarantee that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Beautiful words, comforting words. So at the time of the rapture, the marriage ceremony takes place, and with this also comes the judgment seat of Christ. When the rapture takes place, we then appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. We find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, this is known as the judgment seat of Christ in Greek, the Bema, the Bema seat. The Bema was a raised platform on which judges sat in order to view athletic games. This is where the judges of games presented awards to the victors. The Bema was never a place to reprimand athletes or to punish them in any way. It was only a place of reward, acknowledgement. In the same way, the Bema seat of Christ will not be a place of punishment or condemnation, only acknowledging the good work that you've done. Now, does the Bible back this up? It does. Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. He took the curse for our sins. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. 
John 5, 24, listen, strong words, true, Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, have you heard his word? Have, do you believe in him who God sent? Then you have eternal life. And add to that, he says, he does not come into judgment. You will not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. So believers, we are secure in Christ. And we still, however, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this will be a time of viewing, a review of the good that we have done. And Jesus will inspect our good works in order to commend us, in order to reward us. What did we do with the talents and resources God gave us? How faithful were we while we were down here? Were we yielded to the Spirit? Did we seek to honor Christ and accomplish his work in this world? If so, Jesus tells us that we will receive a reward, even for the smallest thing we do. Matthew 10, verse 41, Jesus speaking, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. If you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. Listen, listen. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. And if we neglect those opportunities to serve the Lord, we will suffer the loss of rewards that we could have had, but no condemnation or punishment. That's all done at the cross. 1 Corinthians 3 makes this clear on this rewarding. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So what takes place at the judgment seat of Christ is that we will appear and the good that we've done on this earth will survive. It will take it will be taken into heaven with us and rewards given on the basis of the good that we've done. The things that we have done on earth that had no lasting value, things that were self-centered, selfish, chasing after this world, uh, it it burns up. It doesn't come into heaven with us because it has no value. It has no eternal lasting value. There's no punishment. All that wrath is done at the cross. No punishment for it, just no acknowledgement for the good there could have been No rewards for the good there could have been, but no punishment. And if you think about it, if God was to do a review of all of our earthly failures, all of our sin, what would that accomplish? What benefit would there be to that? Would it teach us a lesson? We're never going to need a lesson again, right? We're never going to sin again. We're never going to be tempted to sin. We're in heaven. Why would we need a lesson? So to what benefit would there be to rehearse all this? You know, some people, when I teach this, they don't like this. They really think, I should have to pay. I should have to pay for what I've done while I'm down here. Well, someone did pay. Jesus paid. He paid it all. He paid it all. People say, you mean I I can just sin, do whatever I want, and get away with it? You'll never get away with sin. Sin has consequences down here. But one of them is not God rejecting you because of your sin. That's paid. It's done. 
And all that makes us all so clearly aware of how loving He is and compassionate and forgiving He is. Truth Made Simple. This is Study the Word with Pastor Tom Keller. We're going through Revelation right now. To hear these studies again, either go to our website at ccleb.com or visit our YouTube page. Subscribe to our channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. And there you can watch our services live or on demand. If you're interested in a CD copy, call us at 717-273-5633. Once again, that's 717-273-5633. It really takes a team to bring these studies to the radio every day. And we're thankful for each and every listener that supports what we do. We can't do it alone. To help us provide study of the word on stations like this one all across the nation, visit ccleb.com or call 717-273-5633. If you prefer to write, let me give you our mailing address. Study the word, 740 Willow Street, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, 17046. Hey, we also want to invite you to join us for a Sunday service, either in person or online. You can get all the information you need or watch the live stream at ccleb.com. Or again, go to our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. There's much more to come in Revelation. Don't miss a moment of the journey. We'll see you next time on Study the Word with Pastor Tom Keller. This program is presented by Calvary Chapel, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and made possible through your generous support online at ccleb.com. <music>